Hi, my name's Tina Waldron. Welcome to the podcast. Every week I look to interview someone that can help you share your faith naturally with the world around you. In 2023, I'm going to be interviewing people in Australia, also a few from overseas, and then there'll be a few weeks that I'll jump on myself and actually do a little bit of recording with some information that may help. If you're looking to do some coaching and evangelism or as a female in ministry or an online course this year in personal evangelism, please check out our website, evangelisminaustralia.com. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldron from Evangelism in Australia. Today I'm talking with Craig Petty and we're talking about the subject, working together or nothing. Welcome to you, Craig. Thanks, Tina. That's a great title. It is a great title and I love it. Now, you are the church team manager at Compassion Australia, but you have some incredible insight and experience when it comes to working together or nothing as we engage with our communities. So first of all, tell us a little bit about your own Christian journey, your own ministry journey. Well, it starts way back when my youth minister invited me to come down to the beach to see some friends from youth group who are participating in this thing called a scripture union mission. I didn't know anything about that, but I remember coming down sort of unwillingly to the beach, getting out of her car, seeing people sharing Jesus publicly and getting goosebumps all over and thinking the only other place I've seen this before is reading it in the Bible. And so the next year, and then I've done 19 now, uh, the, the, the next year I was on the team and experience the joy of working together with other churches and people with different experiences but the same Jesus. Wow, incredible. So really, I mean, it's fascinating for me that you even use that terminology. You saw people working together back then and the impact of that. So what have you been doing in terms of um, being involved in churches and ministry work slash, so to speak? Yeah, so from there, and I guess some some really key experiences, like on that first team I was on, some people sort of bailed us up. They said, what church are you all from? We said, well, this one's from a church in Ballarat. This one's from a church in Geelong, from a church in the eastern suburbs. And they said, we thought you were meant to be fighting. What is it that you believe then? That was a profound experience for me as a 16-year-old. And I think then that's really shaped the direction of uh, vocational ministry and so on. So I've done some, had some time in working with religious education in schools in Victoria, which was again working together. I've been a church pastor for in different roles for almost twenty years, and that then gave me opportunity to look for ways to work together with other churches in our area. One of the most privileged things I've ever been a part of is a thing that we called Whitehorse Churches Care, but it was an activity where. Uh, I got to join near the inception of it where we said, what if we joined together to care for people in our city? And to begin with, it was six churches and then before long it was 12. We thought there might be a couple of dozen churches in our area. In the end, we found there's something like 90 churches in the area that we only started to discover when we started working together. Uh, there's been some, again, profound experiences of the impact on the local community when we say we're not fighting, we're actually working together. 
And then the inquiries about, so who is the Jesus that you believe in comes after that, after they see us working together. Mm. What a powerful story. I mean, you can think about the obvious things of working together, but I actually am wondering what's going on in your mind. So why was it so powerful or why is it so powerful to work together with others? Let's talk about this local experience. Um, why was it so pivotal, you know, to have the churches working together, I guess from the church's point of view, but also from the community's point of view? I think uh, to begin with, we were tackling something that we couldn't do just by ourselves. We needed other churches to help us with uh, working alongside people, sleeping rough, introducing the winter shelter concept as a bunch of other uh, churches have gathered together in different communities around the east coast of Australia. That was a powerful catalyst for us getting together and working together. So on one aspect, it was efficiency and saying if, we, if we're going to solve something that exists in our community and we're going to show care, we're going to need to work together. Mm. But then I think in preparation for that, I was at a first aid course. They did the obligatory introductions. I shared what I was Therefore, to prepare myself being part of a winter shelter team. And then a lady at the break asked me, she said, so tell us about this winter shelter thing. And I just borrowed a quote, a sort of a cheeky quote from one of the other pastors in our cohort who'd said, we've tried everything else through um, recent church history except for working together. Why don't we give that a go? And so I just, I just said that. I, she said, what are you doing? I said, the churches in the area said, we've kind of tried everything else except working together. Why don't we give that a go? And we want to love our community way better than we've ever done before. Hmm. And she dropped a word that I could never repeat on a podcast. <laughs> but then she said, well, well, hallelujah for that. Maybe I could believe in a God like that. Conversation ended there. She pivoted on her heel and off she went. But it was a pleasant end to the brief conversation, but a profound moment where I realized what we were doing here had more importance than just the project that we're involved in. That was important. But the, the, the act of working together and saying we care about our community was a profound evangelistic statement in and of itself. Almost like Jesus knew what he was talking about when he encouraged people to work together. Almost like it. And so now, and I was involved in that first as a church pastor and then for the last two years as a volunteer because once I had seen churches working together, I just can't unsee it. Mm. I've seen it, I can't unsee it. And so we then became involved in a bunch of different projects. It's led by a fantastic leader, Karen Pell, who gathers people, who's able to help us work together and to do more than we can on our own. The shopping center reached out and said, well, if the churches are working together, could we give you a shop front and you could build community and care for the community there? We said, fantastic. Then, uh, then some other government organizations said, well, if the churches are working together, could you help us with this or that? And all sorts of doors have opened again, from that kind of prophetic example of working together, being the hands and feet of Jesus and seeing that glorious bride of Christ activated to be who she's called to be. 
Absolutely incredible. It's so wonderful actually to hear the stories and to hear you phrase it, how you're phrasing it. Can I ask you a question from your experience um, working in that space? What was it that would stop churches from working together or what were some of the barriers or the resistance that you may have seen? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that sort of connects to my current role in working alongside a whole bunch of different churches in helping catalyze their efforts in in global work through compassion. So last year, for example, and mostly with compassion engagement, I was in 30 different churches on, on different Sundays. And the way that I would express it is saying, when we're in our own particular lane, whether it's a denomination or a particular uh, ch- church perspective or whatever, I think it is really important, those distinctives that characterize the way that we do discipleship and the formation of our beliefs and our particular approach to opening the Bible and so on. But then last year, at the beginning of these church visits, I'd pinch myself and I'd say, maybe I'm a Baptist. Then the next week, I'd pinch myself again, maybe I'm an Anglican. Then the next week, I'm, I'm, I'm most certainly Church of Christ. The next week, I'm most certainly Pentecostal. And I started to realize that this was a pattern. And what was happening was I was just being able to celebrate, enter into the fact that you know, all these different streams, churches, denominations, everyone was there opening the Bible, seeking to follow Jesus with their, their whole heart in a particular way. And with the, the sound of all of that coming together, really is a beautiful thing. And so the the benefit of uh, the perspective from a role that I have currently is I feel like I'm up out of one lane and able to go like a helicopter view against uh, across the body of Christ in Victoria. Makes me read the epistles differently when Paul says, I thank God for all of you. I'm, I know what that means because I thank God for these churches that I'm not in every Sunday, but I feel invested in and in, in partnership with uh, as we walk together in mission and so on. And so I think that the benefit and the encouragement that I've given to so many congregations now is saying it might seem like there's so many differences that divide us. But when we take that helicopter view, I want to tell you that there is far more in common uh, that, that, that unites us than divides us. We have a big Jesus that we're coming around. And I want to tell you, Jesus is calling his bride and she is glorious. Praise the Lord. I love that. Love that. Preaching me happy at this end. (laughs) Great. Great. And I think that's the beauty of, uh, I I know that you share an experience, Tina, in being able to see across the body in all those different elements. And I hope that's encouraging for our listeners to, to hear that. Yes, absolutely. So, so what does stop churches from working together? What are some of the um, things that you've noticed? I know that you know people don't generally say, "I don't want to work with other churches. I don't want to work together." But there are sometimes some concerns or thoughts that people have. What were some of those that you've noticed? Yeah, I think when we start to walk in that space, there's some things like really practical considerations from pastors, like how much time will this take up because I'm already busy. Uh, one uh, one group of churches uh, in Shepparton, they're doing some really great things together. And they've decided to run Alpha together rather than apart. And it turns out that that's actually, in the most 
bottom line sort of way, saved a few people some time, but at the same time got a better outcome because it's safer to engage with an alpha course that a bunch of churches are working together than a particular perspective. And then that leads me to that thing where uh, there is genuine reservations in going, if we join to this, does this mean that we're in a way signing a statement of belief that agrees on every single nuance about, um, about beliefs and creeds and behaviors and so on? Does this mean that we're that we're not being true to our own denomination or church's ideals. I don't think it's doing that at all, but that's a, that's a beginning question. Then there's the question about, and it sometimes takes a while to emerge, but that question of, well, if someone did come to faith, then whose church would they come into? Well, of course, the very best answer to that is the people that they're in relationship with. They would engage with that family and we would walk it out per the individual. But, but at, at, at the time, I think because we're so not used to working in that way that all these questions come up. For me, actually, it's been when I've experienced church life in places way different to what I, uh, to what I have in um, in my world in Melbourne that I've actually learned some of this stuff. My, my, um, walking alongside some people in Cambodia, sitting in places of church planning schools in Nepal, going and visiting and seeing what it's like to be a church planter in Ethiopia. In those sort of places, the questions are different and the behaviors and the attitudes and the way that they're representing Jesus are very different and that's challenged the way that I view church because I I think I see church through the lens of Christendom so much that I don't even know what I'm seeing. And some of those things are coming from our, like the questions or the reservations are coming, I think, more from our denominationalism than they are about our shared call to work together to represent Jesus well to fulfill his purposes in the earth. Yeah, okay, so that is a brilliant answer, absolutely brilliant answer, and that kind of raises my next thought that I've got in mind is the people that I talk with, including yourself, that are just really embracing and living out this working together, bringing Jesus to communities together, often say we learn so much more by working together even about sharing the gospel by doing the work together, which is what you're saying. You're saying, I, being overseas, Nepal or wherever, I see this differently. I look through a different lens. So talk to me about that. What have you learned? Even in that white horse example, what did you learn yourself about the power of working together? What was Jesus showing you? Yeah, what a great question. I think there was a combined agreement that we were going to do like Jeremiah released God's call to the people in exile, and we were going to seek the well-being of, of the city, for in its well-being we find our own well-being. That was sort of one of the, the, the starting points for an agreement around what it was that we were doing. We don't want to get into fine details of doctrinal division. We want to say, what is the thing that we can do together that actually we can probably do um, uh, better maybe than anyone else in the community. We can be the loving hands and feet of Jesus. We can come around to care for our city without 
too much strings attached. In fact, we would want to do it as a love offering and not have strings attached. And that in itself is so profound for people who are expecting it to be something with a a hidden catch or a very specific hook. Of course, we want to invite people into our communities. Of course, we want to invite people to experience that relationship with Jesus. But uh, but we want our our words and our actions and our deeds to actually speak for themselves and and um, and support real needs that people have, which is partly what attracts me with the Compassion's Child Development Model because it's spiritual and physical, socio-emotional uh, and economic. It's that holistic idea of what it means to represent Jesus and to come in partnership with others that, that are. And so I think that's where, for me, those two sort of that formation experience through the, the beach missions and through the work in the local city and then the work that I'm currently doing now really align um, to be able to be that voice of saying, I think we can do more together than we can on our own. And Jesus is bigger often than we think. And working together with others, we get to see a different angle of a, of a, of a tricky problem or a different angle of a particular practice. And I think one of the things that we're concerned about often is that we might need to reduce our distinctives in order to fit in. But I think actually a more mature approach to unity is saying we're going to bring all our distinctives. We're going to put Jesus first uh, in everything we do, and we're going to put the care for people in this particular example as as the leading decision maker. But then we can bring our distinctives. Let's celebrate them. Let's acknowledge them. So one of the most successful in terms of numbers coming along to events successful things that Karen's run at Whitehorse Churches Care is the combined church week, a prayer week, where people just love to experience coming along to a Catholic prayer service and then coming along to a Baptist prayer service and coming along to a Pentecostal prayer service and an Anglican one on different nights of the week. And we found people preferring traditions other than their own and coming with curiosity, not judgment, to say, how can I learn and engage with a bigger Jesus through being curious and understand about other traditions that are alive in our city? And we were saying, when you bring that prayer service, do it sensitively, but bring it with, with your particular tr- tradition and distinctives. Let's celebrate that and let's, be, uh, let's work out how we can work together as well. Yeah, so powerful. In fact, recently on the show, I had Scott Hawkins, and he's also a Melbourne-based pastor, and we called him the mongrel community pastor because (laughs) he himself had actually been, he'd been employed by so many different denominations and actually had worked for Compassion as well, funnily enough. Mm. And is my pastor, Tina. Oh, there you go. Okay. There you go. (laughs) It's a small world. So he was actually expressing similar things that you're saying, um, which is wonderful of he could see the value of working together, but he had such experience from 
unlike yourself, it wasn't a kind of everybody working together, but it was he had worked for everybody, even though he had worked together as well. So very interesting. Let me ask you about this overseas comment. You Just before you said, yeah, when I was in Nepal, well, they do things differently. So they're viewing it differently in terms of then reaching their community. So I'm curious about that. How are that? What are they doing? How are they seeing it differently? And how can we learn from that? Yeah, so I found myself in Nepal for a couple of weeks through a mutual friend that I'd met in Cambodia and was just uh, being there to learn and to support their, uh, their uh, church planting school. They have different assumptions than I did about what a life of ministry would entail. For example, they had no expectation of any salary or remuneration. They had no expectation of any government support or even government endorsement. In fact, it was the opposite. They had an expectation of, um, of things being very difficult for them because of um, a very different prevailing view in their, in their culture and so on. And so it helped me to, while I was there, to be reading the Gospels differently with different assumptions behind it. Uh, assumptions that are actually much more closely related to what I read in only the Gospels, the book of Acts, those sort of things where it's all for God and and a focus on representing Jesus well with anyone who is in your small remit of colleagues and, and other groups of people that identify as, as Christians. And so I think they weren't burdened by the same kind of, I don't want to say it's all a burden. I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to carry on with our traditions, but they weren't looking at through the lens of particular traditions or denominational perspective or long-standing differences or anything like that. They were opening the Bible, they were finding Jesus, and they were saying, how can we put this into practice in what will be probably, again today, very difficult circumstances? So I guess it was coming back, acknowledging my privilege, but wanting to see much more clearly the call to serve and engage community and to, uh, again, be, be bound to brothers and sisters in Christ through that lens of we're all in this together rather than uh, allowing small things to separate, divide us or... Um, or, or call us out of strong relationship together. Yeah, so good. Such a great learning. And and let's be honest, I think that, well, let me be honest anyway, as you've been in, involved in church work longer and longer, it's just easier to let go of the denominational swaying that you may have, so to speak. You just see that you'll just become more and more about, let's just advance the kingdom. How do we do that? And it's easier to be more focused on that. I think that's a maturity thing. Certainly with the people I interview are making those comments as well. So there's also a new generation of believers out there that are very not denominational. Have you seen that a bit in your travels? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm a bit of a tease and I sometimes try to tease people about a little denominational difference that I think is insignificant, but want to note it. And, 
And the younger the person, the blanker the look. So I've stopped doing it. You know, the blanker the look I'll get because they don't understand. They're not attaching their Christian identity to a particular denominational approach. They're attaching it to being a Christian, opening the Bible, seeking to serve Jesus together. I think my observation of you, Tina, because I've uh, used some of your resources and so on over different times in community and in evangelistic conversations, I think when we stay engaged with our community, that helps us to keep a bigger Jesus in mind, a very relevant Jesus in mind. And I think sometimes, and for me, when I was a pastor, every relational aspect of my life is already has demands on it. And so there's a real effort in um, keeping those other relationships alive. And then it's those relationships that actually inform what real uh, what real life is like, if you want, and and I think that keeps us relevant and recognizes that we need everyone in this. So then I think, you know, as uh, as I started working with compassion a couple of years ago, that was very much the cry, and still is. It's compassion saying there is so much need in the world. There is 356 million children. It's inconceivable living in extreme poverty right now, compassion alone cannot solve that. We need everyone working together to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We need everyone working together. We need partnerships on partnerships. We need to keep the main thing front and center. Our offering is that holistic child development, but then we need all sorts of other um uh, agencies and partners and catalysts to get every Christian on earth thinking about uh, their neighbors locally and also globally and um, and and being sacrificial for that. There's as many Christians as there are children in poverty, being children in poverty, 356 million in extreme poverty. There's as many Christians in the world as there are children in poverty, it's a solvable challenge. What could we do by leaning in together that we can't do by just leaning in alone? And that fits very much with my own personal heart cry. I love it. What a great story. What great truths that you just put there, um, Craig. But incredible to see what God has done in your life from those very beginnings of working together. So in the show notes, I'm going to drop some links so you can stay connected with Compassion in Australia and also with Craig himself. This has been a great conversation, Craig, and I hope today that as you've listened along that you've really felt provoked by the Lord to think about how you can work together in your local community or overseas or wherever you can where you can see the strength of not going it alone but working, gathering Christians together and bringing Jesus, representing Jesus and being stronger together to see the gospel go forward into our community. So Craig, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Uh, Really wonderful conversation. Thanks, Tina. Thanks for having me and appreciate listening. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I trust it's been helpful for you. Don't forget to check out onmissionwithgod.com. Love to see you in the course this year. Have a great week and see you next time.